everybody. Welcome to Dumb and Awful. This is Brett at Relentless Board. This is Rob on Twitter at Dumb and Awful. With us this week, we have Dahlia. Yep, Dahlia at St. Knives. Have you gotten into uh, sports betting on football? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> here's, a, here's a tip. Uh, I find that the best way to bet on sports... And really, the best way to live life is just do whatever Nicolas Cage did in the Bad Lieutenant remake. Yes. Because things, <laughs> really, things worked out for him in the end. <laughs> that movie ruled. It like, did. Like, the, everyone around him suffered and, you know, experienced trauma. But he basically, I think, came out okay at the end of that, right? He did. I think he was going to have, like, a, a tarnished reputation. That was no, the worst no, he wasn't got. he, like, promote, they promoted him to, like, the highest level, but on, like, full disability. And then he just retired, like... Oh, yeah. Took Oxycontin, like chilled <laughs> with, with his sex worker wife, like got a house and just vibed. I'm going to say the key to him winning that movie was the fact that he had a lucky crack pipe. That was, <laughs> he really did. And you know what? That seemed like just a throwaway at the time, but these, these movies are thinkers and it came That's back. Right. Uh, no spoilers, but the lucky crack pipe, uh, real second MVP, first MVP exhibit in a starring role. <laughs> It's the one with the lizard, the random like lizard he hallucinates too. Yes, right? and alligator. That's the sort of movie where like Val Kilmer's going for it, and he doesn't even break into like the top five performances. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what got you into uh, sports betting or football betting specifically? Um, mostly football betting, just because like that's a major sport that I understand that's happening right now. Um, also, I love money, and I love uh, trying to use my knowledge of things to generate income. Um, so far, I'm doing okay, but I just really need Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs to score a fucking touchdown in these last four minutes. When I was in Vegas, I started trying to get into a little bit of football betting. This is like it's very easy. Like you just go into the casino, go to the bookie. And I was doing pretty well on the college football side because the, the spreads were always ridiculous. Like, clearly no one pays attention. So it'd be like, oh, absolutely. U, USC plus 50. And it's like, I, okay, well, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take the under on that. Like, I'll take whoever else, right, against the spread because that, that's going to be an easy one. But NFL, I thought I was doing great. And it was one of those years the Kansas City Chiefs were having like a terrible garbage year and the Panthers were having a pretty good year in a Cam Newton. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Mm -hmm. So I put a bunch of money on uh, Carolina for the listeners here. A bunch of money here is 50 bucks. I was in the military. <laughs> so, uh, so I put like 50 bucks on the Panthers. And that was the week. Um, what was it? Was it Yvonne Belcher killed his wife or something like that? Uh, a very niche origin story that really helps you understand Bob's Burgers lore a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was the the same week there was the like murder suicide with Yvonne Belcher and his girlfriend. And so the Panthers showed up and did what they usually do, which is play down to their competition. And the chiefs just like had one good game. I think they got two wins the whole season. And one of them was the one I bet against them on. And after that, I was like, maybe I should stop dabbling with this. <laughs> no gambling's fun. It makes anything more fun. Like obviously I did the, the poker thing for a long time because the Seminole casino, you could play at 18 and you, you could just show up. You could just show up immediately after Temple got out, and just by virtue of being a handsome young man, people would give you more money than you could spend <laughs> that's there. Amazing. <laughs> Everyone's lonely, you know. But that that's that kept it interesting. But now that's sort of boring. Uh, also in South Florida, I would uh, we'd gamble on um, 
uh, like pit bulls fighting. Uh, not like the disappointing Michael Vick one. I mean, like the artist, entertainer, songwriter, <laughs> Pitbull, different permutations. So, Mr. Worldwide in round one might take on Mr. 305. <laughs> it was very Vinewood. That's fucking beautiful. And you know who ended up a surprise in case anyone's going to watch Pitbull's fight? Uh, you know who came out on top? Part owner of Miami Subs, Pitbull, the entrepreneur. <laughs> when you fly into the Fort Lauderdale International Airport, which like why that has, well, I was going to say, why does that have an international airport? And it's just, you know, the Epsteins of the world, don't exactly. they don't want to transfer in Miami. Uh, there's a huge mural of just Pitbull standing by all of his Miami subs in a timeline of major life events that led to him purchasing the first cluster of them. <laughs> Fort Lauderdale, we're back, baby. I love it. But I, I, hope, you, I hope you win your bet tonight. I it's getting down to the wire. There's like four minutes left. The Chiefs are only up by four. I just need Travis Kelsey to score a touchdown and I will come out very nicely. I've been doing like uncut gems types of betting. <laughs> the stuff that's like way higher risk. Yeah, I'm all about the parlays because that's how you get the real the real like cash, honestly. Yeah, if you weren't frightened by your bet, like why? <laughs> <laughs> That's that's my your bet and your wife should just terrify the shit out of you on a, a <laughs> nightly basis. Absolutely, just and, ruining you know, your life. Doesn't care about what you know what you need to continue on. <laughs> that's always been my fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Are you up for the year on your betting? Uh, I'm going to decline to answer that because my wife is going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh... I was going to say, no, this I'm, feels I'm, like a dangerous year to bet because of all the COVID stuff. Doesn't Denver literally not have a quarterback for the week because they're all out? They had to try to put yeah, an assistant coach in or some shit? That just happened, and I think they only scored three points. I mean, even getting three points is a miracle considering zero quarterbacks. I mean, it's not that hard to believe just because I'm pretty sure I haven't like taken a look at the full box score, but I'm pretty sure they just ran the ball like th most of the game. So it's not that surprising. Yeah, but I feel like that kind of insanity really fucks with the ability to bet being like well i'm betting on them not getting injured and also not catching the plague this week betting on football is foolish and to me i mean like if you enjoy it fine but i just like in terms of expected value like there's so many other sports where you can bet on them and have a better shot like the nba it's not a, a 50 something person team like there's five players and you can get an edge uh, both by like knowing the ins and outs of the various teams. And also you can just talk to the, the refs who are on the take. <laughs> it's, that's the way to do it. At least like maximize your edge. I can't wait for NBA to finally start because I think I'm really going to be doing well. But yeah, NFL <laughs> betting is pretty wild. I mean, thankfully, when a situation like what happened with the Denver Broncos does happen, the sports books will usually pull that bet off their books and, you know, reestablish it closer to game time once, you know, people know what the hell is going on. You know, this is just a weird, a weird year for football. I was going to say NBA might have actually like pulled this off semi well where they, they got interrupted a little bit, but managed to close out the season and probably won't start up again until things are a little bit calmed down again. Well, they're actually starting the preseason on December 11th between the Clippers and the Lakers. It's such a bad idea. Just cancel the preseason, guys. That's like peak <laughs> of this shit. Don't don't do that at all. That's such... uh, we're gearing up for like the massive post Thanksgiving peak that's about to come in.
I mean, to be fair, they um, were able to avoid any actual infections once they're inside the bubble. I'm not sure if they're doing a bubble this year or what's going on with that. I don't know. I, I, I believe in their ability to actually handle this appropriately in a way that clearly the NFL just can't at all. Can't and won't. I feel like the NFL didn't even bother. It's cool how the whole country just didn't bother. Like, <laughs> not rhetorically. I mean, literally. Every day I wake up and, and it's like, oh, yeah, we just, we everyone just shrugged their shoulders and went like, yeah, we're, yeah, I guess we're fucked. And just left, <laughs> just left it at that. They wrote one check that was more insulting than if they'd done nothing. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, just sent everybody back to work. It's fucking sick. Then we all just went to Thanksgiving and flew around the world. Yeah, we really are never going to do anything about anything. <laughs> That's the American way, baby. No, it like really is. Like you can just just look at the the next ten years and you basically see the political framework where this is going. It's not getting better. It doesn't seem it's like the universe. It's it's only accelerating. Would it make you feel better to know that Biden just announced four or five more picks and uh, almost his entire I think economic side of the cabinet is going to be women? I should excite you, including Nira Tandon in charge of uh, OMB. Oh, I'm mad about that one. I am <laughs> furious. You should not be able to post your way into a fucking White House job. That is insane. I cannot stand for it. I can't abide by I mean, it. Donald Trump sort of did it. But he was funny, though. When has Nira Tandon ever said anything amusing or clever or interesting? Like, let's be real. I feel like I feel like if I got Nira Tandon... Two Xanax and three cocktails at a Soho bar at like 1 a.m. She would crack me up. And then I, she'd get online and yell at a college student. Yeah, that, that rules. That's like a positive energy. That's the like energy I like being around. Where she's like, I'm, I'm sorry, there's some bitch from, from Columbia who I have to argue with. And it's like, aren't you like 48 years old? And it's like, yeah, well, I, I've still got it, baby. And wealthy and it's like 3 a.m. She's like, yeah, what of it? I also like that. I like the... Uh, Near Tin is OMB, if only because that is definitely one of the positions she has zero resume for whatsoever. Like, there's no part of her history that makes her remotely qualified for that job. If they put her as like a PR person, I'd be like, yeah, I guess kind of sure. No, they got Jen Psaki uh, stepping up. It was also the first all female senior communications team, uh, which is very inspiring. Remember Jen Psaki, she uh, was State Department under Victoria Newland, who was straight up doing CIA ops in Ukraine, caught on the telephone yep. by Russia, just straight up trying to install an MMA fighter as, as like the, the head of state <laughs> of Ukraine and going back and forth on whether or not that was a good idea. Jen Psaki was her deputy press sec at state at the time, moved into state as John Kerry's spokeswoman, and now is going to be... The, the new Kaylee Mc... McEnany? Yeah, so just get used to... And she's good. Like, we're, we're back to business as usual. She'll never say anything of interest or any substance at the podium. Uh, Matt Lee, who's one of my all-time, like, favorite journalists, he's at, oh, God, at AP Diplo Rider, I think. He sits, or before COVID, he'd go to every State Department meeting for the AP, sit first row all the way to the right side, this man has never showered. He's never gotten a haircut. He just comes in in a Buffalo Buffalo Bills pullover and would just go like, so uh, what's happening in, you know, whatever state? Uh, is that a coup? 
and she'd be like, well, we think that with the, the transfer of power and be like, say it's a coup. <laughs> just like just like you can't you're too polite to ask me to leave the room so i want you to know part of your job will be for 90 minutes every day having to play word salad with me <laughs> i will have all of your quotes and to jen's credit like she is unflappable she is just simply not programmed to say anything of substance so get get ready to uh zone out on that front and get ready to fucking uh topple some regimes and, and get some foreign some foreign plunder because you say like what is near tandon good at money wise well uh in the dem email leaks she argued that if we wanted to keep medicaid we should loot libya's oil reserves yeah, i do remember that uh she also spent a lot of time uh arguing about the non-feasibility of medicare for all uh both before and during uh, a pandemic oh up to this day She's also very good at uh, fundraising and making the hard practical choices, uh, like when uh, her think tank killed a report about racism in the NYPD after Bloomberg cut them a $1.5 million check. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, she, she more recently, uh, right after COVID hit, was yelling at Brianna Joy Gray for trying to get the primary suspended or uh, turned into mail-in voting so people didn't have to go to the polls. She was pushing really hard for in-person dim primary voting so that they could wrap it up. And then two weeks later, when it looked like now the science was backing her preferred candidate, she suddenly swung around to like, actually, everything should shut down. I like the part where she uh, outed a harassment victim at her organization and then busted the Think Progress Union and uh, <laughs> and then went on to tank Hillary Clinton's campaign. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that is my favorite bit. She's she's a girl boss and we got to respect it. We absolutely we'd have to respect it. There is no other choice. It's just this. I just feel like this is just the first term of Obama, like remastered edition Everyone's that comes back. with like all. Of, yeah, it comes with all the DLC that you missed out on the first go around. The graphics are slightly better to compete with uh, current day games and i guess sally yates is being considered to be the attorney general which is just jesus christ sure amazing i know, I know her from the tv <laughs> yeah she, from the she TV. persisted she persisted that's all right <laughs> they are i like that the biden administration is taking the same approach to a reboot that the ghostbusters did where they're like we'll put a bunch of women in it and uh we won't really <laughs> give you anything of value or interest and uh you fucking sloppy pigs will eat it up and if you don't we'll claim it's sexism so Enjoy. Well, that makes a lot of sense because Chris Evans was in the background of the Ghostbusters reboot. And uh, <laughs> in this one, we've got Hunter Biden. So I feel like that really just aligns perfectly. <laughs> Hunter Biden is the Chris Evans of or Chris Hemsworth of uh, real life, I would say. That's true. It's, it's very American to say, like, everything's terrible. How do we solve this problem? I know with a shitty reboot. <laughs> I, I mean, all, all the best, Joe, uh, who also, by the way, is, uh, had, to, had to go to the hospital today. He tripped over a dog. He's fine. <laughs> Don't think about it they too did, hard. They didn't let anyone take any pictures. They, like, chased the press away before they could see what was wrong with him. And the press is like, Are, should we be concerned? A very frail-looking old man fell down and had to immediately go to an orthopedic surgeon. It's like, maybe. 
Maybe we should be worried about that. I mean, this is what we voted for. Not me. The, the, you rubes. Unlike <laughs> unlike Trump, Biden actually has a dog. So really, he he's the winner of this situation. <laughs> I love okay. that they're bringing all the identities into the White House, including dog. They literally <laughs> wrote, finally, dogs are back in the, the That's White my House. favorite race, honestly. I love which dogs. Was, which was very <laughs> unfair to Melania. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm allowed Melania. to make that joke because A, she's beautiful and a queen. B, she's Slavic, which is really just A. And C, I just, I like Melania. I, no, I, you're absolutely right. No reason to hate her. I mean, you could say that she was like a willing participant on the sidelines, you know, of Trump's whole racism, et cetera. But it's like, at this point, who doesn't have their hands bloodied when it comes to, you know, major she politics. She sucked Donald Trump's dick more than once to escape Eastern Europe. That's, to me, that's more inspiring than the ending of the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I'm going to tell that story like Red in prison one day. That, you know, that's that's incredible, and I feel like we need a movie about her life. I would, I would fucking love that. I was laughing this week because... No one, clearly no one, including the libs who would do the like point to the website thing, actually bothered to read Biden's platform, right? Like no one did that. No one went to his website because why would you? No one did it with Hillary either. And uh, I was cracking up because this week suddenly like uh, a news station covered like one of Biden's gun proposals. And if you haven't read his actual like gun proposals, they're fucking deranged. They're they are setting up a system in which basically only wealthy people can afford guns and ammo, uh, taxing them at such a high rate that like it makes guns more or less illegal for all of us regular folks. And then this week, someone in the news covered it. And so they, you know, put up a nice little graphic and then that went immediately viral with people being like, wait, is, this isn't the actual plan, right? <laughs> I feel like people really haven't been looking at his website because if you look very closely, there is an entire section where he promises to, uh, bring the cotton gin back to prominence in america so people just aren't paying attention and that, that's on them this is what they voted for they uh they passed that bill without reading it that's been entertaining the slow discovery that perhaps there are things we should talk about with joe biden now i think the new york times actually covered some of the uh the things going with one of the consultancies that he's pulling like flournoy and some of these other people from and the comment section is just filled with people being like you pieces of shit you didn't cover anything when Trump was president. How dare you do a good faith criticism of the Dem president now? That's just how the game is played now. I mean, anytime uh, a Democrat is talked about, if you're not like glowingly sucking his dick in the media, you're, you know, an evil bad guy. It's just, it's <laughs> so fucking, it, the media is like useless now. And the people who consume that media are even more useless. A reporter who's like a good reporter up in Albany asked Cuomo, like, so um, just because, you know, we're hearing different things out of the city and the state, are schools closed tomorrow or do you have anything on that? And Cuomo just got up and was like, this is exactly what Trump wants. And it's just like, <laughs> how? Me, me being pressed with like an inquisition here. And, you know, people, you're just confusing it. You're getting people killed. And it's just like the projection off of Cuomo. <laughs> It, that's what every, everything now is zero sum. Nobody gives a fuck about any policies because just as an empire and a body politic, we can't really affect it at all. So we're just like, you ever like been in the hospital and you're like hooked up to IVs and shit. And at first they're like, okay. And so what we're giving you now, and, or maybe it's an older loved one. 
And then after a while, you're just like, yeah, you don't need to tell me what fucking little drugs are temporarily keeping me alive. Just fucking put them in. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't need to know. And that's reading Biden's policies. It's like, oh, okay. The police departments have to reinvest in implicit association bias training X amount of hours per financial quarter uh, for every black teen shot, regardless of circumstance, unless an independent review board unsubstantiates. It's like, okay, yeah, fine, whatever. It's got eight syllables in it. It's not going to make things better. Uh, just do what you got to do, I guess. <laughs> it's not surprising when like blue wave people resist people get just like basic declarative reporting on what his actual stated policies are and take it as if it's an attack on on democrats and their party because it is it's just like inherently embarrassing they've gone out and made their party planks essentially like coming out of the men's room with your your zipper down and pointing out to them that their zippers down is so obviously embarrassing that they'd rather everyone just fucking accept that the zippers down now and see what we can do going forward it's what an embarrassing country I think Biden might, we might get closer to the emperor has no clothes style than uh, even Trump did with the decline. Like it, it, they, they will probably try to just continue to pretend nothing's happening as he declines, assuming he doesn't uh, trip over another dog and die. I feel like he's going to take that very literally and just come out of the White House to address the press wearing no clothes. <laughs> That's going to uh, happen at least once. I mean, I, I'm just going to be thankful if we get any comedy out of his uh, presidency at all. I mean, at least we're going to have malt shops back. I mean, isn't that what's really important? I can finally try one of those egg creams everybody's always talking about. Oh, hell yeah. At least like Nero, you had some intrigue, you know? That was a time to be alive. Just fucking six foot five barber people walking around the Capitol. Shit's burning down. No one cares. You're like, did he... Like, is he telling us he fucked his horse? Like, that's not even like a, a room. It's like, yeah, no, he, he convened the Senate to talk about it. It's like, that guy fucking rules. Like, at least there was some spice to it, you know? The Imperial Roman soldiers are all like fucking 5'3 Italian guys with like tiny little helmets that shine. They're all fucking angry at Marion because they, he decided they no longer could have centralized inventory and just made them all carry it on a backpack. <laughs> Those were, the, those were the fucking days. It's the time to be around. Just drinking lead all day, every single day, but doing it because it was the right and natural thing to do. Not to fucking own a collection of 300 libs that you feud with on your Twitter account. <laughs> all I do is feud with, like, liberals, and I don't think that's going to be changing anytime soon. It's getting to the point where, like... I'm getting like legitimate like MAGA followers and it's like, oh, you're in the wrong place, sweetie. <laughs> I've had that happen a few times. If you're in a comment section and mm -hmm. they see you dunking on a lip, they're like, yeah, that's right. Trump's got our back. And it's like, no, I, you've misunderstood what's happening here, friend. <laughs> I'm going to need you to reassess. I like to think I don't have that problem and I'll recommend this to you. Because my feed is just absolute dog shit. <laughs> like sometimes a MAGA person will be like, yeah, you know, fuck Joe Biden. And I'll see like a follow and have to squint like, are those five flags all American or are they, you know, decolonialized imperialist spaces or some anarchist bullshit? 
and they'll follow and i'll be like all right welcome to the party dude next tweet me talking about how i've named all my spiders like emily dickinson next tweet how come girls when their eyes are so far apart is the hottest next tweet <laughs> did were the glasses part of squirtle's face or did he uh buy them did do they regenerate and for the person going that's actually war turtle yeah i fucking i i know i'm i'm fucking <laughs> is either fbi or uh dhs a report came out where they were investigating the the portland protesters and uh they just basically got caught in a rabbit hole of people canceling each other on twitter and they were like we couldn't, they couldn't figure anything out because all the protests were being organized uh semi-spontaneously and out on the streets and almost none of it was happening online so the fbi spent all this time and energy trying to like hunt down anarchists online and just getting caught up in the the crossfire of like twitter cancellations I absolutely believe that the FBI has looked into me because I've been canceled so many times. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I just I just know that's a reality. I love that every time the FBI tries to interact with anarchists, there's there's just so many layers of fucking bullshit to deal with. Now it's the internet before it was like lingo and organizational tactics that they just always end up giving up. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so few anarchists on twitter that are actually worth a damn it's like if you're following them then you're already losing <laughs> like the real action is happening in the fucking streets that's right that was i mean that was the uh the end result of the report was them being like everything's happening in the streets like you're not gonna learn a fucking thing online which yeah that that applies to people trying to do things as well yeah, we don't go online to learn. Like, I thought that was well established already. I go online to get dumber. I'm just doing entryism by uh, mixing vaguely radical posts with uh, retweets of Geo Daily, just with the hope that eventually <laughs> I can turn the DHS people monitoring my feed into real onces. <laughs> finally, finally making our way into the deep state like BTS did seven years ago. Oh, there's a theory. <laughs> no, those boys just have the most talent. Wink. Is that what we're calling CIA agents now? I absolutely believe there's going to be a CIA-backed uh, K-pop group at some point that's going to get inexplicably uh, viral and... I just feel like that's our future. That's what we're trending towards. That's where the ship is headed. I 100% believe that's already happened. And like the, the USAID sort of like State Department soft power sense. Like South Korea, we just had the, was it the fucking anniversary of them mowing down every person vaguely on the left in, in the wake of the armistice with North Korea. Like they've been our, our right wing hyper capitalist uh, foothold in the area for a while so there's and, and k-pop is very closely aligned with like state politics like it is supposed to be like for the general welfare to show kids how to live like morally and respectably and and be loyal to their country and, and be a good son or daughter like it, that stuff is overtly on the tin like the big labels enjoy the support of the government because it's great for South Korean soft power. It's great for business and it's great as sort of like a pro capitalist new Hollywood sort of thing. I fully, I fully agree. Like I'm pretty sure that uh, 
members, uh, the names of members of Blackpink are getting redacted in CIA documents as we speak. <laughs> that one I could see. I mean, I'm thinking more like early generation, you know, where it was probably more one-to-one. -one. They really had to juice things to, to get it going. But I could see Blackpink being CIA just because it's such a half-assed, just slipshod shit show. <laughs> yeah, Blackpink is in your area and they're illegally recording you. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just looking forward to twice uh going on colbert i think tomorrow i'm ready to welcome all boomer onces into the fold that's beautiful i'm so happy for them it, it's mean to say but uh, in terms of like exposure to western audiences uh, this will be a huge step up in terms of just basic technical capacity you know like singing the words and standing on the marks and doing the dance these things would seem foundational to a K-pop group, but somehow Blackpink has <laughs> excelled despite it. So get ready for a, a cosmic leap in, in proficiency, Western markets. I haven't even seen Twice's new uh, video. Like, I'm just like, even K-pop is like fading in intensity for me, you know? It's like yeah. when, when you play a game and, and for the first several hours, you're like, oh, this is cool. Look at it. It's a whole world. And then at some point you're like, okay, I understand how all of these systems work. I've identified the 15 things you can do in this game. And it's all just lots of textures of trees. Like I get what they're doing with K-pop. They're making it a, appeal to more Western audiences. They're remixing it with everything. But now it's the exact, it used to be the joke was it's like the, the girls that got rejected with their beats for like Bruno Mars would go over to Korea and just sell them there. <laughs> you know yeah. now it's literally just the same collection of major label like beat makers they're just selling ariana grande beats to like blackpink it's just like i don't i don't care i feel like at the moment that i heard uh you know bts members doing songs with halsey and fallout boy that that was just inevitable oh yeah that, that's that's what it all is now and it's i think it's also just like getting older and watching my like the nfl it was easy to get out of it because at a certain point it was like every running back was just having their life destroyed three years in and every receiver yeah. was just like melting their brains instantly and retiring early. And it was just like, okay, when I get a new Madden, I have to relearn what names go with what rankings because it's just a fucking charnel house of, of talent. And that's what I feel about K-pop now, like the new generation and all that. It's not even fun like standing twice or red velvet now. Like they're on Colbert. They're, they're fucking all Vogue cover girls. They're doing fine. <laughs> they're all on Vanity Fair. Like they, they've made more money than like the next five girl groups combined. It, it's like what I'm going to tell people to root for them. It's like when it's like a British guy over the last 20 years, like being like, Oh, I'm, I'm in an American football mate. Bro, this is a team called new England Patriots. That's my English accent. <laughs> this is who gives a shit. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the, the New England Patriots. It's like, really? That's You went with just the, the number one, just hop on board the biggest, most winningest bandwagon, I guess. And I'm not going to discover new groups because now it's like, I just, I don't, I don't care what this 17-year-old reality star's blood type is. I don't need this information. <laughs> I'm not about to become one of those guys that gets really into like college football recruiting and it's like, oh, I, I know all the rivals, four-star and five-star recruiting. Commitment day is really big. I think Darnell's probably going to go to uh, Georgia or Florida because you know he, he's, always, he's always liked animals. He, he talks about that on his Twitter account. Like, I can't be that fucking guy. So I'm you just, can. 
That guy sucks. <laughs> you mean you don't want to be the person who's debating whether or not the New York Jets will actually take Trevor Lawrence? That's at least one. That's that's like one step removed. The guys that are like college football fans and know all the comings and goings of like 15-year-old tight ends from Valdosta, Georgia. Like, I can't be doing that shit. I'm, I think I'm just going to close the door with Itzy on K-pop. No one after Itzy uh, I'm going to care about unless the music gets really good. And I just, I'm, if anyone has an idea for extremely niche and off-putting hobbies that I can take up, <laughs> please let me know. Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. I'm really glad that I saw uh, Red Velvet um, the day after Valentine's Day in 2019. That was an incredible show. And then right after that, K-pop just got too big for me. After that, I just said, you know, I'm out. I'll listen to Red Velvet whenever they come back but otherwise i'm not like too heavily invested anymore like it, it's fun in the sports way that it's like year round and they have they have seasons and it's like okay here's the comeback they've done their bit they're active for two months they did their tour and that's it see you again in in like 11 months you know and there's always like new recruits and it's like well this is there's trades this this company owns this company and now they're doing a super group and like all that stuff is interesting but after a while it's like the the music is no longer producing endorphins and you've seen the like wow blockbuster trade a bunch of times i don't care anymore i mean you can always join me in getting uh really into sort of doomsday economic stuff everything is everything if you're like remotely interested in economic stuff things are really fucking weird right now because all of the normal indicators are just disconnected from any usual uh reality that that affects them like I was looking at it the other day and it was Tesla is like a top 10 company for market cap has gone up 800% in the last year. And it's like, did they, did they produce 300 times more cars? And it's like, no, they, they barely increase off last year. Like, did they manage a massive profit margin this year? It's like, no, they actually barely even got profitable at all. It's like, how is that? Like, what? How is that fucking possible? Uh, uh, there was this story about what's going on in, uh, sort of the fast casual food scene. It's this article called The Death of the $15 Salad, How Pizza Won the Pandemic and Sweet Green Got Left Behind by Mo. I cannot pronounce that last name. Raka, the, the original bow tie dipshit. <laughs> they were talking about how the economics of COVID has understandably fucked pretty much the entirety of the restaurant industry, um, which everybody already knows, like a ton of the restaurants have gone under. We haven't even seen the full effect yet. What's interesting, though, is that some people are actually doing well and some are doing far worse. And so on the far worse spectrum, it's sweet green. Every company that was built around catering to office workers has just been completely gutted. Uh, sweet green is on their, I think I just checked it earlier. They're on their second or third round of layoffs now. Corporate layoffs, which is usually the thing they do last, right? Usually you lay off like the line workers because all the corporate people try to protect their asses. But now they're on corporate layoffs and they're moving from there. They're going to start shutting down sites as well. All of those companies, anything like the, the Preda Manger, anything that was right next to an office building and required constant captured office workers to come in every day is just utterly fucked. Because whether or not like you get these these peaks where people go back outside and they stop doing the shutdowns. No one's getting a fucking salad in the downtown district right now. That's definitely true because speaking as someone who is a white collar worker, you know, office worker uh, who works in their downtown area. Like I haven't even thought of places like that. And plus there's like a, a 
you know, a Mediterranean place around here that will give me like an, a fantastic Greek salad for like $7. Like, why would I spend, you know, like 15 for one? You know, it's pointless. Yeah. Why would you get ripped off? That was becoming, I mean, I, I work in lower Manhattan and that became for a while, like having a Starbucks cup was like the very like West Wing Starbucks cup and lanyard was like a certain sort of like government slash finance dork you know yeah. way of symbol but then there were so many starbucks is ubiquitous and so it became like having a sweet green salad or like a 20 dollar uh harvest salad salad from like mulberry and vine i hate them if <laughs> if they if there was a rapture and it took every single person who ever had a sweet green salad just instantly blinked out of existence I mean, I'd go, but like, I'd go too, the, the world is fucking better for it. hundred <laughs> percent. The people that are left, who've never had a sweet green salad. Think of how many problems that instantly solves. Everyone's gone. <laughs> That's true. <sighs> they were delicious. When I was doing office work more often, I went all the time, which again, it like is the use case. The minute I stopped doing the office work, I, I went like once in 10 months, which is what has occurred now. They, they, in this article, they talked to, uh, this New York Times columnist, Jessica Gross, who wrote, uh, literally wrote a fucking book called Sad Death Salad, basically about the whole rise of like the uh, fast casual salad restaurant scene, which just cursed all the way around. Even this lady who like one would expect made millions of dollars off of talking about fucking salads was like, yeah, no, why would I, why would I go to Sweet Green? I haven't been since the lockdown started. She's in New York as well. I was like, yeah, no, no one is getting a salad right now. Sweetgreen is also weird in that they um they were never doing incredibly well. Like they burnt through all their capital early on and then they pivoted and they did this thing that I see that has become like so common for shitty companies, which is they just went, we're a tech company now. Uh, we've got an app. We're a tech company. It's it's a, it's the WeWork vibe again, where it's like nothing WeWork did was tech. Uh, like you, you bought up spaces or you leased uh, buildings and then you rented out individual spaces. Like you, you're just a fucking landlord. You're just an office landlord. Nothing about that is new. You cut it up in a slightly different way, but nothing about that is tech. But because the market themselves is tech, they get access to way more capital. Like that's the entire game plan. As you say, like I'm a tech company. Now all the venture capitalists who are trying to look for places to invest, throw you cash that you don't deserve looking at you, Tesla. And you can go like, yeah, well, we're doing well now. And so that's how Sweet Green has stayed afloat and kept expanding. Every time they started to level off, they just doubled down on the idea of like, we're a tech company and they get this huge cash infusion. I don't think it's going to work this time. I don't know, because like we are entering the Biden administration where big tech is just going to get <laughs> so many true. like blowjobs. Like so true. We are entering like a new era. I, I feel like people are really underselling it how much like Amazon and Microsoft and all these other tech companies are just going to like completely dominate in a way we haven't even seen before. I mean, Amazon added 400,000 jobs in the last nine months. They're doing perfectly fine. But yeah, he, you're right. I mean, that's Ka Kamala's whole thing is she's always been like very friendly with tech as well. So that's true. Maybe, maybe now is the time, Sweet Green, to triple down on the tech approach. I was I was laughing though because they were in the article they were like yeah in 2019 the restaurant business named Sweet Green Tech Accelerator of the Year. It's, like, it's, a, it's a fucking fifteen dollar salad company. Like what the hell are you talking about? Robots don't make the salads. Although if uh, they did, that would be pretty cool. 
The Tesla of salad companies is disrupting lunch. <laughs> that's that's a field to get into right now with everyone in Biden's cabinet being a, a tech CEO psycho. Like our entire economy and the markets are just based on a, a fed float of the, the like the biggest Nasdaq tech companies. Oh yeah, just just ballooning up uh, a, a failing macroeconomic climate. Just be a guy that like writes for TechCrunch and just does X is disrupting Y in a major way articles until you eventually die. Well, if Sweetgreen really wants to be the Tesla of, you know, this restaurant business, I feel like they need to build like some sort of like, uh, like pipeline system where only one salad can go down at a time. I feel like that's really the way to do it. <laughs> they just did another recall because the doors don't fit properly on their fucking cars. They're fucking $80,000 cars. <laughs> God, that fucking rules. They are going to do takeovers of, of actual like legit companies with full stock purchases because that's how like massively overinflated Tesla is right now. I want people to just give me money for being a massive public failure. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I kind of have that. It's not the same. You got to be born rich. Then, then you get that like a hundred X. What if I get into like bonsai trees? Those are kind of boring though, right? You don't really need to look at them. They're soothing. Yeah. For how long? <laughs> I was going to say, so the flip side of the sweet green thing is sweet green and, and all of the, all of the uh, lunch for office workers, restaurant spaces, that's all getting decimated worse than, even the normal restaurant industry. But on the other end, uh, every pizza company is doing insanely well. Not just insanely well, like historically well. They're having most restaurants and people who do, people who sell pizza ovens, things like that, are having the best year they've ever had. And it's because, and I actually didn't know this until I read this article, it's because pizza is the only food that is consistently as, if not more profitable than booze, while still being delicious. I will say that after I read that article, I immediately ordered a pizza, so I feel like they're really onto something. <laughs> now the way you stay alive in this, the, the pivot that any restaurant who, who has the ability to make a pivot at this point is doing, is buying a pizza oven and pumping out pizzas, because that's pretty much the only thing making money. So Panera, for all their like bullshit about being healthy, just installed... Uh, a, a pizza menu in like a hundred restaurants uh, within their franchises. The other reason you have to go to the profitable stuff like pizza, it's pizza, um, fried chicken and French fries are the three that are like the super profitable ones. Um, the reason you have to go to those is because not only like, how are you losing the normal business? Cause you don't have people coming in anymore. But on top of that, you have to give a huge chunk of your revenue straight to delivery apps. I didn't realize like they take a pretty sizable chunk out of all these restaurants. So on the restaurant side, you're like, nobody's coming in, which fucks me, right? My business is down. On top of that, business has shifted to the thing in which someone else steals a chunk of the little bit of income I get, Grubhub, Uber Eats. So there is no incentive for me to make anything beyond the shittiest, highest profit margin food. Oh, also, I can't sell booze anymore. The thing that used to help me out when stuff got bad because profit margins on booze are incredible. So every every possible aspect of the restaurant has failed except pizza, fried chicken, and french fries. That's everything now. The entire industry has shifted towards that. There's this whole other phenomenon called ghost kitchens that I, I read about a little bit before all this started. And it's like a very Uber Eats phenomenon. And it's you know, you don't have an actual location people can go to. You are just a commercial kitchen somewhere and delivery drivers pick up. And that's their entire existence is based around that. 
But that has become so profitable if you're selling things like pizza or fried chicken that even guys like David Chang have started doing that. They have ghost kitchens now. It's a grim turn of events for the restaurant industry. But this does mean that while uh, the tech accelerator of 2019, Sweetgreen is doing poorly, the tech accelerator of 2018, Domino's, is doing amazing. Well, I will say Domino's uh, has surprisingly good chain pizza. Like, I do stand Domino's. They mixed it up. I remember it because it was like 0809. They got they got demolished and it looked like they were going to go out of business. And so they, they it's because, actually, I do remember what happened. They were owned by like. They were owned. Bain Capital, I think. Bain Capital. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, the, the Romney one. And they came in and gutted all the ingredients and treated it just like a. Like uh, Toys R Us. Yeah. And so, yeah, the pizza fucking sucked. Yep. And then as soon as this, the, they moved away from being owned by Bain Capital, they were like, what if we just made pizza that didn't blow? They tried to pair it with some nonsense about like we have this magical app and we're a tech company. And like, that's all bullshit. The real change was like the, the pizza is better. And you ran commercials like being pretty honest about the fact that like we're using real ingredients again. Please come back. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, their sauce is good now, their dough is good, like, the seasoning on the crust. I mean, it's actually pretty decent pizza for what it is. I'd, I'd put it above uh, Papa John's at this point. Oh, yeah, Papa John's sucks. That was always just about that garlic sauce, honestly. That's the best part. Like, I ordered from Papa John's today, and, like, the pizza is, like, so mediocre, but, like, that garlic sauce is so on point. <laughs> You can tell, by the way, the pizza is doing insanely well right now because Pizza Hut, which is like in the middle of bankruptcy proceedings, posted a uh, like double digit growth for the first time in possibly decades. Like poor Pizza Hut is is circling the drain and going under. And even they were like, we're doing better now, guys. That's wild because I know a few years ago I was very into Pizza Hut because they had like a pretzel crust and they had like all these options like all these like toppings they could drizzle on and stuff like that. And I feel like they probably don't do that anymore, but I haven't eaten pizza there in forever. So I don't know what the quality is they're working at now. Yeah. I was going to say in my head, a pizza that's always like the place you go when you have read enough books to get a free pizza. Yeah. I haven't um, sat down at a pizza hut and eaten since like, fuck, I want to say like 2009, maybe. I think that was the last time I did. I've sat down and eaten at a CC's pizza more recently than I've eaten at a pizza hut. Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind like going back there and like re-experiencing because I went there like five years ago or 10 years ago. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, there's so many uh, memories I have from like a decade ago that feel like they were very recent. And then it just makes me very sad. And then I end up stress eating. See, I go the opposite way. I, I feel like I've been alive forever. <laughs> like everything is so far in the distant past it, it's actually very relaxing because those, those experiences are so faded now i get why like uh, old people uh as they lose their mind and, and their memories and their friends are just like lord take me like my grandma was just like ah, i guess god decided to sleep in today so here i am <laughs> and yeah at, at this point like it I feel like if someone was clowning me about something from when I was like 18 or 24 or even fucking like 29, it's like, I don't even remember that shit anymore. So you have fun. <laughs> you go off on that. That guy did have bad takes on, I don't know, turkey. Like what what, I don't, what did I even think about? I don't even remember. I remember overpaying for, for denim and I remember, uh, no, that's about it. Yeah, that was, a, that was all I did. Oh yeah. There was definitely a, 
a solid like year or two where I was very into only buying true religion jeans. To be fair, they fit amazing. The the five seventy fives, the uh Diesel. Yeah, yeah Diesel, Diesel and True Religion one. were like they were like the the mainstream ones and then you could then they got more niche with the Japanese and Italian shit. You get the raw salvage denim. Yeah, the 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 shit that only only like people that have never eaten jerky and people that sell jerky on a web forum give a shit about. <laughs> that seems like the kind of people that I would like befriend. I mean, honestly, I have uh, a few sticks of kangaroo jerky just sitting around in my room. So just both both parties can show you Zippo tricks for some reason. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad Sweet Green is dying, and I hope they burn in hell. Um, <laughs> It's very irritating. There's no reason to pay that much for a salad. It, it's. I really feel like since switching to being blessed, at least now, to be doing remote work, so much of what I spent my time on just day to day was misery for the sake of being a prop that people eating salads could like occasionally condescend to. Like I just, I was in the train for fucking two and a half hours every day. Didn't no reason for me to be in that office except so that people could let me know that you know their salad costs more than i make in that hour and that they're up on prestige television and you know as a spectator for them to complain about uh the poor service they got when they under tipped a soho waiter like <laughs> so much respect to david graber so much of our economy is is just managerizing like the act of doing managering yeah I mean, work from home should definitely have convinced most people that the only reason you were there in person to begin with is because your managers wanted to feel important. And what they liked more than anything is to boss you around or to know that you are trapped in a place because they told you to be trapped in a place and that they can watch you. That is, it has nothing to do so with true. work. That's so true because, uh, well, there's very little that I think I probably should say about my job, but ever since I have move to remote work, you know, um, pretty much our product productivity has not dropped off at all. In fact, I feel like we've been doing a lot better and it's just been a better experience. I think for most of us. Yeah. It just cuts out some of the pain points that did not clearly did not need to exist. And so as much as we can take one more thing from the, uh, condescending managerial class who identify, uh, on like a core existential level with being a manager and all that signifies that being the win condition for all the decisions they've made in their life. If, if they have to walk further to get a status salad, I'm very happy for them. <laughs> or they actually have to do some work because they're at home and there's no more of the, like your work is looking at people. You know, uh, uh, bingo daddy. So, so from uh, dumb bitch media, she was working remotely and uh, she told this story on the pod. One of her managers was like, okay, so there's, or it was some people were working remote and other people were coming in to work on like terminals, socially distanced at the work site. And some managers just like, oh, I like when we're able to, to get everyone together in these big web meetings. It feels like we're in the office again. That'd be cool if like, you know, we were just like always just in this, this cool like Zoom meeting. And then the next day, Sophie said they had installed web cameras on every single terminal. And the new policy was when you get in, you turn on your webcam and enter the, the like zoom chat and you stay there the entire time. 
<laughs> There's no reason to do that. It probably hurts productivity, but it's just so a manager can be like, oh, look, I can look at all of my workers. Look at all their faces. I can see what's happening. It gives me opportunity to yell at somebody if I notice they've looked away for a moment or they're smiling. Yeah, we can't have smiling. Not in the workplace. I feel like every single like middle management type at an office job is exactly like uh, the scouting team uh, from the film Moneyball. They're all those guys. Yes. That's actually really good. <laughs> yes. I love that the pitch too is that like you, the reason you would do all these things is like you can build a nice office culture and you can really get to know each other and like we can form tighter knit bonds. And it's like, yeah, that was all horse shit. No one wants to fucking come in and deal with you people. Well, it, it's not horse shit for them because that is the, the perfect world that they imagine as like a professional managerial liberal is like, well, I went, I got good grades and I was very socially agreeable for the most part. And I joined the right clubs and I went to college and I got good grades there. And then maybe I, I went to a master's program, but you know, I, I've consumed the right things and I say the right things and I feel the, uh, the requisite amount of guilt or at least understanding for my role in all of this. And having washed my hands clean, I'd really like to enter our, uh, a sort of business uh, idol a sort of Valhalla of commerce that is I, I'm, I'm a workaholic. Everyone knows that about me. It's on my Bumble. Um, I spend 18 hours a day. I get to put on my little outfit. That's another thing. Like I make all this money. I get to spend it on nicer outfits than the poor people mm -hmm. in the office. And then they get to see my fancy outfits and I get to talk about the fancy premium shows that I watch and understand. And, you know, I find some things problematic at the water cooler and then, you know, I make them, they have to come out for mandatory fun drinks with me uh, every month. And it's like, that is actually their fantasy. Like, uh, everyone I work with is my peer and my friend and my partner. And we, you know, there's nothing we can't do together. Hoorah, go team. Like, that is actually a good end state for a certain Yeah, it's Ivy League Michael Scott. I, I'm, I'm a manager because it forces everybody to be my fucking friend. I'm honestly right. like feeling very triggered by this conversation. This is like really hitting home <laughs> for me. Well, that's like, that's the, the new triangulated democratic base is like those people, you know, that, that's why everything they do now is like grievance politics for, uh, women that were interrupted in a staff meeting, <laughs> <laughs> which like, no, they, that is bad. Like, don't, don't interrupt women unless they're saying some, sometimes they say some real bullshit. You can't just let it go. <laughs> You'll be there forever, fellas. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Office or wherever. Time is money. Let's go. I am pro interrupting women at all times. I'm very much on like my misogyny vibe lately. So I'm all for it. <laughs> One time I was in a, a, a bathroom at World Trade Center uh, laying the C4 <laughs> uh, with, with a bunch of like, uh, we just got out of a meeting and then all of the like higher up men were all just at, at the urinal pissing and doing the debrief. And I just realized like, hey, we're in the old boys club right now. This is the real meeting, isn't it? And we're like, yep. And then we all bumped elbows with each other. It was great. That's amazing. Fucking beautiful. Yeah, it was all like it was all like the heads of the departments and everything. It's like, so what did we think about that, boys? <laughs> well, everyone had their dicks in their hands. It's really, it's, it's a business moment. <laughs> it's not as if I've sat in rooms when I was in consulting where it's like the entire uh, power structure was women. You get similar conversations. It's just less sexist, but it's the same thing about being like, 
which individual do I fucking hate and I'm going to try to crush? That's what all of these conversations are about the minute like they think they can drop the mask. All right. At, at the end of the day, it's power politics. They all think we're in power. We're going to do whatever the fuck we want. And the minute they feel like they get to be honest about that, they just let loose. Like it's it's the same shit. It's just less misogynistic, which like I suppose is an improvement, but not if the end result is still a ton of people suffer. No, well, I would say that's not really an improvement because now the female employees will wait until they no longer work there and then they will produce either a Twitter thread or a Medium article <laughs> explaining how, you know, the fact that they were 60% of the workforce there was white uh, was basically the same thing as being sexually assaulted. That's that's where we're at. We are definitely we're swimming backwards. This is this is not working out. We need the the good old days of, you know, having a good old boys club. <laughs> at least that shit was kept in the boardroom. Swapping out the top of the power structure doesn't do a goddamn thing if the system still functions almost identically when it comes to outcomes. Yeah, precisely. identity is great. Like identity should inform your your worldview and your politics in a way that allows you to uniquely speak to communi communities and and radicalize people and 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 make your ideology understood like all that shit is good um but it's like yeah that that feeds into a greater political project and now it's just like no one else thinks it's it's pretty suspect that every corporation all the ruling class are very happy to be like yeah okay fine i will I'll call you whatever pronouns you want as you arrive at your Amazon work town. Like it's, <laughs> I'll put up any flag you want. I will, I will make our corporate account. will do subtweets about whatever prestige drama is, is on TV. Uh, we'll vaguely gay bait about our new products, whatever it takes to, to make you the punters happy. We'll do. This doesn't affect our bottom line at all. Yeah. They will ensure that every single tweet has at minimum three different emojis in it. <laughs> and one of them is always the clapping hands <laughs> absolute requirement it's just it's not going away it's just you know what's gonna happen in 2020 or 2022 and 2024 it's just no you know what? i'm gonna say i don't i mean like yeah i have my predictions but fucking we're what pandemic hit this year so i, don't, I have no idea what's going on anymore because i would have said before all this started my lockdown guarantee for this primary is there's no fucking way biden gets through it like he's a fucking idiot. He has terrible politics. He's got a long history of being an idiot. He puts his foot in his mouth constantly. He's lazy as hell. That's what they want. <laughs> yes. They want yes. an old racist rapist who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about and has just like the absolute worst politics. He's basically just one step left of Trump, which really is not saying much. He really is just the fucking... Ben Roethlisberger of political candidates, like <laughs> just a big fucking dumbass brain no longer works. If it ever did, every time he speaks, it's bad opinions. Pretty much everyone knows he's done sexual assaults, but if you ever criticize him, a bunch of people in Pennsylvania will just be like, Oh, you know, there's a lot of people that rely on him that are doing good work. And you, you know, there's, there's certainly bigger problems out there, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is a job creator for wide receivers okay <laughs> but no that makes that makes total sense because joe biden also uh seems to hurt his ankle a lot so i mean honestly same same guy <laughs> you know and just like uh joe biden ben roethlisberger really is only famous because a more talented black man made him look good oh nice 
<laughs> Mike Tomlin's the hell of a coach. And I say that as someone who hates the Steelers with fervent passion, but I do love Mike. He's Tomlin. a great coach. I hate, I hate that. That's where he settled. <laughs> I mean, and like it makes me sad. It's like a dream job for a coach because how many times do the Steelers actually switch coaches? You have so yeah. like such a long leash there. You know, to an extent, Seattle is also doing that. I have to rep my my favorite team, of course, but they've kept Pete Carroll around for <laughs> a while. And, you know, they got a Super Bowl out of it at the very least. And some really cool theories about the towers. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was nice to see the Seahawks have an, a few good years. Or honestly, at this point, like 10, basically. Russell Wilson is at least like a comfortable number two for the MVP slot, I would say. I'm. This is how I'm cursed, is that... Uh, I pick underdogs and then they become insufferable, like tier A. Like being a Miami Heat fan was so satisfying when they had guys whose names were Bimbo Coles. <laughs> if you're like, I've never heard of him. Yeah, despite that name, that's how bad he was. Like these were the guys we had to pretend were on something. And then, you know, they got three Hall of Famers. Actually, it might have been like four or five on that team simultaneous. And then the Heat were. That was kind of fun in like a, a self-destruction sort of way. Like you ever just decide like, fuck it, I'm going to go full ugly. You know, like like just just eat all the pizzas in the world and go on a bender and just like really lean into being uh, a, a dirtbag. That's how I felt about the Miami Heat getting good because we <laughs> were the fan base that deserved it the least and cared the least. And for years, everyone had to look at them just like, play top tier uh, ethereal basketball uh for uh, like a quarter filled auditorium <laughs> the fucking seahawks i liked them when they were uh god what was his name the hasselback was a quarterback yeah well the, uh, the first time they went to the super bowl when hasselback was a quarterback and they went against the fucking Steelers, and that's the main reason why i don't like Steelers. When he said we want the ball and we're gonna score and then he just immediately turned it over and lost the game how's that kick so much ass <laughs> sean alexander was the greatest rusher of all time just because he was behind walter yes. jones on left tackle <laughs> and, and then like he went anywhere else and he was like oh i'm dumb i read his memoirs it, <laughs> sean alexander and it was just like sometimes in life you got to go fast sometimes slowing down so you can hit the hole that matters too. And I was like, I should be taking notes on this guy. <laughs> All my fucking K-pop people are blowing up. My local baseball teams are New York ones. So it's just like New York baseball is like you have the best good team in the Yankees and the best shit team in the Mets. It's true. They're both going to the farthest ends of the insufferability polls. I am always... Um pulling for the Mets just because I, I feel like it's fun when they actually do well like when it went to the World Series in 2015 like I was I was sold on them it's like Rick and Morty where it's just like yeah I know the product is occasionally good I'm not going to watch because I can't stand to be around the fans like I just Mets fans are just as obnoxious as Yankees fans only about their misery I mean I hope you're not watching Rick and Morty in large group settings that's true <laughs> I'm, I'm not I was going to say, you could get into uh, the Brooklyn Nets. It's going to be at least five years before they even have a chance of being good. If they've, they've... Oh, I know. What are you no, talking they're about? They're going to be very yeah. good. They're going to be very good. I have season. no belief as long as they have Kyrie and they're still yeah. laden with the contracts. Kevin Kevin Durant is healthy. I'll believe that when I see it. Kevin Durant also, is healthy. Also, they're, like, they're low-key looking at James Harden right now. 
because they want to like get the gang back together. Guaranteed to not win anything then. That would be an insane <laughs> team. And honestly, that would be the most insufferable team if it's Kyrie and James fucking Harden. It would be. And that's why they would win. God, God. It's like, you know how everyone just became super insufferable about the fucking Lakers and then they won this year? That's what we're looking at. Just put Durant up at like the fucking five with like a, a rebounder at the four, some lockdown defender at three, and then let the the two guards just dribble until there's three seconds on the shot clock and then shoot a fadeaway. <laughs> I love it. Yep, that's that's basketball. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, Kevin Durant would absolutely post like career highs and rebounds. That is a dude that looks like no one else I've ever seen in my entire life. Have you seen Kevin Durant's feet? Yeah. He is not human. Kevin Durant is like, like you watch it on TV and then you go to actual games and you see him walk around and you're just like, this is an alien. This is a, a weird, like I, Anthony Davis is a little more like built out. Kevin Durant just like, like a frog's tongue leaping out and catching a fly in like a nanosecond will just like reach his little spindly limb out and grab with one hand a rebound, take three steps and dunk it on the other end. And you're just like, what? <laughs> Seriously, just Google Kevin Durant feet pics. It is insane. <laughs> I mean, I still think about, oh, I need a new hobby. I want to get into, do you think it'd be cool to get into demon summoning? Is that still a thing people do? Um, you know, like a pod damn, they do like tarot and stuff, but you know, why not just like, do it with uh, do it with uh, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I don't. I'll be honest. That that seems lame. <laughs> I don't want to learn about Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't want to be the oldest guy at the Yu-Gi-Oh meeting. I promise you won't be. No, it would it would be me because I just actually bought a a Yu-Gi-Oh game after not having played any of them in like fifteen years, <laughs> and somehow it's so fun. Oh, I don't doubt it. There's just now that I've matured into my uh, Slavic uncle look. There's just some places I'm more welcome and some places I'm less welcome. <laughs> and uh, I, I think the Yu-Gi-Oh meetup is a place where you don't want to see this guy. You can lean into the train thing. Yeah, there you go. Trains are cool. That seems like the natural outlet for older nerds. Trains are cool, but being into trains in New York is like if, if someone was like, oh, man, I'm a huge cowboy and, and Clint Eastwood fan. It's like, well... Good news. Do you want to meet him? Hop in the car. We're going to go down to the hospital and you can sit by his bedside as he's intubated and breathes his last <laughs> dying gasps. The, the faded star of American Empire in Hollywood right here. It's like, well, that kind of wasn't what I had in mind. <laughs> well, well, semi-related, but I spent 2000, uh, 2020 uh, getting really into like uh, like dad stuff. Like I have bought so many like Tom Clancy and John Grisham novels and that's really just been my whole thing. It feels very normal. I'm just I, I watch like lots of like legal thrillers. Like that's just <laughs> that's just my life now. And plus it helps because, you know, my wife is in law school. So then she can like kind of critique the movies as we're watching it. And she just like totally just like destroys every single film that we watch. Best legal movie is still my cousin Vinny. I'm gonna say a few good men. Michael Clayton. <laughs> yeah, Michael Clayton rules. The movie was dope. Absolutely. What about the Amy Schumer one-off episode where it was 12 Angry Men, but they were talking about if she was fuckable? That was actually brilliant. That's probably the best sketch she's done. I wouldn't know, like, even if she does do, like, occasionally good sketches, I, I refuse to know. 
I've just like had some kind of axe to grind against her for her whole career, and I've just never been interested in that axe being her uncle is Chuck Schumer, and so she's just born into power and privilege. Like that, make I actually did not know that. Yeah, that helps, right? <laughs> when you already hate her, you're like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm. Thank you for validating me. I feel <laughs> no, so much better now. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> See. Here I thought I was just being a regular misogynist. Now I'm being like a <laughs> now I'm being a leftist misogynist. Like I am ready f- I'm ready for the DSA. Like let's go. <laughs> Thanks to you all for listening. This has been Brett at Relentless Board. We had Rob at Dumb and Awful and we had Dahlia at St. Knives. Dahlia, do you have do you want to plug your show? Is it coming out soonish? It's looking like it might launch in March. So unfortunately I don't really have anything to push, but I just want to say Means TV. I love them. They're great. And so far it's been a very good experience and I can't wait until the show's out. Awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing it when it comes out, but uh, thanks for joining us, Dolly. We appreciate it. Absolutely. I had a total blast. Thanks for coming on. I love being on the show. I really (laughs) do. Always a pleasure. And you can check out our bonus episodes on Patreon, patreon.com backslash dumb and awful. Uh, especially if you want to hear some Florida dad interviews. Those are those are only on the Patreon. I'm never releasing those to the main <laughs> feed just to limit my shame. <laughs> so if you want to hear those, that's on the Patreon. I think they're interesting in like a, uh, you know, in, in a you become your dad sort of way. I think it's been observed that like you, you could look at my conversation with my dad and be like, yeah, okay, I see. I see why Rob is like that. But you can also look at your conversation with your dad and be like, yeah, this checks out 100% why <laughs> Brett is the way he is. All of this immediately just <laughs> clicks into gear. Uh, yeah, it does It does explain a lot. Uh, but those are on the Patreon if you want to check it out. But thanks again, Dahlia. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thanks, y'all. Bye.